Carolina Risotto. What's up, guys? I'm Carolina Risotto. Welcome back to another episode of No Ducks Given Podcast, the podcast where we talk openly and honestly about the highs and lows in life because vulnerability is a superpower, not a weakness. Today's guest is Alan Schindelman. He lives in New York City and works full-time as a photographer. But just a year ago, he was working as a banker and had never even touched a photography camera. In today's episode, we're going to talk about changing career paths from a banker to a photographer within just one year. Hopefully, this episode inspires you to try new things and to follow a little bit more your curiosity. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, my pleasure. Tell me like your life before photography, and then we'll talk about how you made that transition. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. So I really was a consumer of video and photo, meaning that, you know, lots of YouTube, lots of uh, online content, and I genuinely enjoyed it, especially a lot of the stories that I saw. Um, but on like my career side, I was working in finance at a bank in a rotational program. Um, so this is like during the pandemic, right after I graduated college, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. There was money there. So that was a sense of security and stability. And that felt great. And honestly, I probably wouldn't have changed anything given that it was COVID and everything was really certain. It felt nice to have that stability uh, for basically up until 2022, at which time uh, my job forced me to move to New York City, more or less, because I, I didn't want to commute from New Jersey. Um, and that actually ended up being probably one of the best decisions I ever made. So what was your day like as a banker? Like what, what do bankers do? It's a, it's a world that's so different from mine. So I'm wondering, because I want to like put things in perspective for people. Yeah. What is a day as a banker, if anything? It's still very standard nine to five. I was originally in like the tech side of the bank. And then I moved over to what's called um, the client center area. So this is like where... Serena Williams and LeBron James, when they want to sign a mortgage or buy a company, they go to a client center. There's many all over the world, uh, specifically for JP Morgan, but all different types of banks as well. And I basically handled a lot of the uh, meeting information and interior design of the new spaces. There's like, I think over 70 and some are renovate, some in renovation, some are just being uh, upkept and then others are completely getting torn and new ones are being built. So I basically managed like all these different projects um, as well as the day to day. So why did you start working as a banker in the first place? Uh, yeah, I guess it really stems from the idea of stability. I remember when I was applying to colleges way back when in, in 2015, 2016, you know, uh, I was like playing around with all these different ideas, but really business at the core, I knew it's something that uh, I was interested in. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was like, oh, well, let me see maybe if my interest would turn into a passion. I mean, there's the story here is I applied to like 100 internships my sophomore year at college and got 10 interviews back. And the one that ended up becoming a full time job, I thought it was uh, for that year, but it was really the year after. So I did that interview, never heard back until a year later. They were like, yeah, basically, come on, let's do this internship. And so it was just kind of given to me and it was a, a pretty, pretty good offer. And I, I just kind of took it and, and ran with that until I felt like. It's time to go. So you were just kind of looking for a career stability and you thought, hey, banker could be a good choice. Yeah, exactly. And also just in the environment I was in in college, I really wasn't, I'd say now, unfortunately, surrounded by a lot of creatives in that sense. Most of my world was this business school and a lot of finance and tech, um, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think at the time 
it was maybe where I was meant to be. Um, but looking back, it was just, oh, like, I wish I explored a different side of, of my college. So you never knew you wanted to be a photographer? That was never a hobby when you were growing up or anything? Really, it was more being like a filmmaker, a content creator. That was more something in the back burner. I've spoken to many people over the years. I was like, oh, I'd love to like make these videos. But there are all these hurdles from like the gear to the tech side. And then even just like confidence in myself of can I be in front of a camera? Can I uh, speak? Can I articulate? Can I tell a good story? Still things that I think about and maybe struggle with today but back then it just seemed it just seemed way too far of a dream for me to even begin pursuing i mean you didn't really have any role models or creators around you to actually know what that dream looked like so i can see why you wouldn't have jumped into that career when banker i mean we got plenty of bankers out there yeah we do we do we all want to make money so it's understandable choice one of my closest friends works for a bank so i get it and it's cool because i think uh people who work as bankers like being around creators it just gives you a different perspective in life too so i feel like i have a lot that i learned from my friend and he learns a lot from me as a creator when was the first time that you actually grabbed a camera and what was that feeling i mean what made you gravitate towards that in part when i was moving to new york city i was thinking okay yeah let's go get a camera but not for photography for video so i did a lot of research and why were you going to get a camera in the first place when I moved to New York City, I always had these ideas of making these kind of like really quick, funny, stupid videos. Um, and I figured, oh, like, let's do it on camera, maybe a little bit of YouTube action, but really just also wanting to learn like what filmmaking looks like above just the phone, although the phone is a very capable device. So you were going to pursue it like a hobby. You just wanted to have fun. Right. I just wanted to have fun. Just wanted to have a camera in my hands. But again, purely for video, like my that camera that I got, the Canon Rebel T7i, it has a photo uh, notch and a video notch and I remember for like five months I only ever went to the video notch I never ever took a single photo on wow yeah okay and so you started playing with the camera you started making videos when did that become a bigger interest for you to turn into a career and then how did it become photography because you work as a photographer and not as a videographer so what happened there this is a great question I sometimes ask myself this as well but um okay so and what year was this by the way so this is uh right now we're gonna be starting like end of april may time frame of 2022 so that was a bit over a year ago yeah a bit over a year ago wild timeline wise it's been a year and a half since i ever picked up the camera and again just for video and then for may uh april may i had this one friend um declan uh, he's a very, very good photographer, and he kind of just inspired me to just have the camera with me, right? So for the next following week, I walked around and was taking photos in like fully automatic, semi-automatic modes, not really understanding anything, but I was just like, okay, like I see 100 cameras every single day. Let me see what this is about. There's a very, uh, very important night uh, around this time. I go to uh, the west side of battery park and there's a man there with a massive telescope right and he's got like his phone and computer connected to it and i remember oh there's an eclipse there's a, a lunar eclipse and that's basically what he was documenting but we have a chat he's also russian i'm russian so we kind of connected there and he sees i have the camera on me and he goes oh what mode are you shooting in and i'm like oh uh fully automatic and he goes no today's your last day I'm like what do you mean he's like you're gonna shoot a manual for the rest of your life that's the first thing a photographer ever says to someone. <laughs> yes. 
So I'm looking at him like, you're crazy. I, I, I don't want to like, I don't need this. Um, I'm this is a hobby, barely. It's been a week, a week of photos. And he's like, okay, but take a picture of that light over there and fully automatic. I take the picture, terrible photo, right? And he goes, okay, great. Now let's switch to manual. And he teaches me like the limits of the camera basically for the frame rate and ISO. And it's, it's pitch black. It's like midnight, right? And I get an image that is, a hundred times better than what the camera's able to do fully automatic. So I had no idea that that was even capable, right? I thought like fully automatic was the best possible, you know, the auto feature on the camera. And he goes, great. He's like, so now when you're going to go take photos, you're going to be in manual. So he basically instilled in me that first ever feeling of, oh, like there's a way to make art here. The idea of playing with light and the idea that you have a lot more control than you think. So that was just a really awesome experience. It's interesting that all the tutorials, if you like look into photography, everyone's like, don't dumb down the camera. Mm. Even the best of cameras are not incredible in auto. They could do a fairly good job, especially with the manual, uh, with the auto autofocus, like we're using autofocus right now to record your camera. But otherwise, like you want to go manual. For the past year and a half, I've only added more of this like manual ideology to my life from everything to the flash to recording and, and always trying to understand every single part of, of everything I make, right? And the editing and all that stuff. Um, and it, I still have a long way to go, but I think it's really, really great for me to have that uh, mentality instilled. That's cool. So it almost became a, a metaphor with your life of like, I have more control over it than I thought. Just like with photography, you found out I had a lot more creative control with your pictures and the message that you could bring through your photos. Absolutely. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, I love a good metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you did great. And um, what I do right now is a lot of event photography. So it's a lot of flash work. It's a lot of portraitures, especially at nighttime. And my first real exposure to that was this fashion show in Philadelphia by two designers, Liam Yori, Julia Silver. Highly recommend you check out their work. They're incredible designers. And I had just met this other designer, uh, Sam, of Hellcat Studios in New York at Washington Square Park, actually. And we just really hit it off. And he told me about this fashion show that was happening called Sans Tem. He's like, hey, you should go shoot the show. It would just be an incredible experience. So I reached out to Yori under Sam's blessing. And I did everything. I did behind the scenes. I did the actual runway. And I even did the after party, right? This was also my very first time ever using uh, a speed light or a flash extension for my camera. The runway show is about to start in seconds. I'm standing there at the end of the runway, kind of like the photo pit area. And I'm just testing the flash and it's just not working. And of course, that advice comes back to me. But this time in the form of a photographer right next to me, he goes, hey, man, I see you're having a lot of issues. You should switch your flash to manual that word manual. And I'm scared because I've never used the flash extension before, but I'm like, okay. So within 20 seconds, he quickly does it for me, shows me, uh, you know, probably like the best setting and then lets me run with it. And it turns out that a lot of the photos that I ended up taking from that fashion show were the ones that were used and shared on social media. And that just kind of brought, um, I guess, some of the first ever recognition. And that whole event itself was definitely a very, very important moment for my career. Now people were like, oh, I think this kid's a photographer. It kind of snowballs from there. Before that happened, did you already consider yourself a photographer? When was that moment that you were like, I'm a photographer? Mm, that's a great question. Sometimes today I'm like, am I a photographer? <laughs> but to answer your question, I think that day, that uh, fashion show was definitely the day where I said, oh, I think 
think photography might be the way to go. And I mean, the following week was followed by multiple events in New York City, including a very important Balenciaga fashion show to end up shooting the, the guests as they walk to the show. And I'm talking huge people like Jay Balvin, Megan Thee Stallion, um, Frank Ocean, etc. And, you know, I was just a bystander shooting there. But again, the same thing happened just, just times like 20 fold over where uh, my photos got shared and used heavily all throughout online. And I said, oh, wait, there might be something here. But still, even considering myself a photographer, it would take a long time until the business aspect began kicking. But I just was had this very, very important mentality of the camera goes everywhere with me, no matter what it is, no matter how big or how small. But then, of course, those big events, right time, right place. And that show was announced, I think, like 24 hours before it actually happened because it was uh, the invites were all secretly done and stuff like that. And it was in Fidei where I live. Wow. So it was, just, it was just pure luck. I got there. It was in like a great spot. Got to meet a lot of the people who work for Balenciaga as well, which is cool. That's not luck at all, by the way. That's intention. I, 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 at this point, I would say it definitely was. Um, and it's also great because a lot of those people I met at that show, I still have some form of contact with them. That was, the f- I guess, the first time I realized that not only is photography great, but the camera itself and what it represents and having it, you know, uh, in like your, when people look at you and they see you have a camera on you, it means something different. They, had, they start thinking different things than just, oh, if you're just a bystander there. It changes people's perspective. That's one of the cool things about the U.S. specifically, because I've talked to people from different countries, and it's definitely not like that, that here, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you can do the work, people will hire you, and they will pay you well for it, too. And I think what you did here uh, with the Fashion Week episode, it's a really good example of like creating opportunity and creating a job. So... You weren't paid for it. Nobody told you to go, but you were like, I'm going to show up. And worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to meet someone, Yeah, you know, uh, even if they don't let you take pictures. And the camera is a great conversation starter. It's like your business card almost. But Fashion Week itself, especially in New York City, having shot that both like uh, professionally and just just, you know, bringing the camera to events is a whole nother beast. And it is like one of those times where I feel that if photography is your passion or if you're a creative and you want to kind of get out there and see what that world is like, then yeah, that's definitely a time to really push hard and try to go to anything that you can just to just see like uh, who you can meet and what, what that world is like also and how it runs. Did it surprise you how quickly you were able to start to build a network of creators coming from a world completely outside of that? Well, like, honestly, I didn't make too many friends in that, uh, in that like, finance, banking, tech world. You know, I, I tried it out a little bit when I moved to the city, going to, like, certain different events and bars and what have you. But it, it never really clicked for me. I, I didn't feel much of an like, emotional connection. But I really was different when I met a creative, when I met someone who was an entrepreneur, who had their own fashion label. Uh, that was, just, like, I would sit up at night and just think about, like, how inspiring this one person, let's say, is designing their own clothes, making them, uh, printing out the flyers, doing pop-ups. It's like they're running a 50-person team and it's just by themselves. Maybe sometimes they'll have someone helping them. And I met a lot of people like that, which, which blew my mind. And they were all younger than me, 19, 20, 21 years old. I'm currently 25. But these kids are living and breathing a brand, an identity, um, a career. So early, it was very inspiring. What's happened since that Fashion Week show? Like, how did you turn photography into a business in such a short amount of time? It's definitely been a, a tricky process. Um, 
I'd say one of the most important things that I did was I looked for photographers that I knew that were making money and kind of saw, okay, what are they doing both paid and unpaid and like how are they growing their brand and stuff like that. And of course, there's uh, hundreds of different possibilities as a photographer. You know, you have editorial photographer, you have an event photographer, kind of like myself. Um, You have people who run a studio or people who work for a very specific brand. Like, oh, I only shoot for for Disney kids, right? Food photographers as well. Yeah, photography is a lot more niche than most people think. Like, people usually stick to one thing, right? So event photographers usually only do really event photography and, and get, like, really great at it. The best case for me was exactly that, specializing, shooting events, mainly at night, which was basically subjecting myself to the same environment so I could understand lighting and all those different things of, of uh, comp- composing a shot and image and portraitures, right? These like really fast-paced portraitures. It's like, you know, shooting hundreds and hundreds of people every night. Um, I also thought that that would be the fastest way for me to how to actually like become a better photographer. Just the sheer pushing, you know, thousands and thousands of photos every week. I was like, okay, I'm not, I don't understand editing right now. I don't understand a lot of the different stuff about composition, but I felt like the best way to learn was to doing it, right? If you knew that photography was a potential career path earlier and that it was actually profitable, even though I got to say, probably not nearly as profitable as a banker, especially in the first years of your career. Right. But if you knew before about it, would you have started earlier? That's a tough, that's a tough question. I, I do believe that everything happens for a reason. But um, if if I had that information, and I think really that comes down to had I been in a community that I knew supported these type of uh, ventures and this type of art, I think yes, I think that would have accelerated that journey. But again, what I like to say is everything I'm kind of able to, to do now or up until now was primarily because of my time in corporate, because of my time at a bank, because not only did I have the uh, financial stability, some financial stability to begin this entrepreneurial venture, but I also knew what life looked like over there. I knew that at any point, if something really bad happened, let's say, and I needed to go make a lot of money that I through a stable job, I still had that option, and I probably still do. You know, I have a compelling story of oh, I worked at a you know a, a pretty high up uh, bank, so I never felt too scared. But I know a lot of times, you know talking about a lot of the the kids that I met, they won't know stability for a long time. It's a lot of, oh, I made a lot of money this month. Oh, no, I'm completely broke this month. And it's like this push and pull. I've seen it firsthand. It's a, it's a roller coaster, but it's a, it can be a fun one. I think it's interesting what you said about how like that job is always still going to be there. Like you can always go back to a bank and get another job. Of course, you know, there's the recession thing kind of going on. So a lot of people are getting laid off. But in general, you can find another job with the skills that you've developed through your career as a banker. It's like, you know what that world looks like. You can always turn around and go do that again. But the opportunity to be a photographer, like that curiosity, that ick, like it would always be there too. So it's like nice to that you allow yourself to explore a different path and that you have that awareness that like, I can go back and change my mind. Like, I think there's nothing wrong with changing your mind. Just like I moved to LA I was there for four and a half years. And then I was like, you know what? I want to go back to New York. So I just moved back to New York. And to me, that wasn't a failed experience. Like, no, like I experienced what I wanted to, but I felt like an unfinished business in New York. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go. And people would be like, but why? Why did you leave LA? Like, it's the best place for content creation. I'm like, no, I left because I wanted to. I was like, I wanted to go to New York. That's where I feel inspired. That's what I want to do. 
And then if after a year I want to leave again, I'll leave again. In a way, it's kind of like similar, but it takes people a long time to have that mindset. So that's really commendable for you that you're able to do that. And I hope that it, you know, motivates whoever's listening to right now to explore a different path because there are multiple options and we can kind of build whatever the whatever is the life that we want, you know? If you go down one path, it doesn't mean that others are closed off. But I want to ask you, so if, when you were in LA, um, did you end up meeting a lot of photographers there, especially in like my line of work of events and nightlife? And if so, like how was that kind of perceived over there? Are they, were they welcome? Was it, is it a much harder crowd to kind of photograph? Any, any takes on that? So when I was in LA, I was working primarily in film and TV production, and I was also doing some videography work. I didn't work as often there as a photographer, but I think it's similar, same perception, pretty generally accepted. I would say the biggest difference like in photography between LA and New York is that in New York, you can stumble into things a lot easier or like word of mouth because things usually happen you know, around Manhattan, for example, like these big events you're talking about. If you go to one event, you're going to hear about another and another. And even if you need to run to three events in one night, that's possible. In a place like LA, you have to drive. Things are far. Things sometimes happen in really hidden locations or in houses in the hills. So it's not that accessible in that sense of like, you can kind of just throw yourself into a situation. I don't know. I think New York is easier in general to meet people. Um, but that was my experience, at least. I think LA is just a little bit more divided in terms of what's happening here, what's happening there. But, you know, people respect the hustle everywhere. So I think if you were to work as an event photographer there, it would work too. Might just be a little harder to meet people. I do actually attribute a lot of my success to one thing in particular, and that is the uh, MTA, the Metropolitan Transportation <laughs> Authority. Okay, the New, York, the New York transit system is probably the greatest thing devised uh, I'd say in America, obviously, there's a lot of transit systems around the world, but I've never felt so empowered by um, a government agency to explore and build like a business. You know, it's it's I'm very happy at first. I, I might have hopped the turnstiles a little bit, but at this point in my life, I'm very, very happy to pay the 275 because every single time I pay it, it it's like unlocking a new level in a video game. And I have no idea what to expect. And some nights that I've paid that fare have been the greatest nights of my life uh, in terms of photography and the people I met and, and just the experience that I had. That's also another driving force that has made me stick with it because, okay, yeah, there might be a, a, a tough month or there might have been a tough month for me earlier on, but then there would just be that one night where I'd meet the right person and an incredible opportunity would pop up only because I paid the fare, had my camera with me, and a lot of times I did not plan to end up where I was. And it's exactly like you said, in New York, you go to one event, every, half the questions are, oh, where are, you, where are you going after this? I've never seen someone compliment the subway this much. <laughs> oh, I have, a, I, have a, I have a lot more to say, maybe another time. But yes, I'm an oh absolute avid fan for the MTA and everything it stands for. Yeah, the MTA has a lot of problems, but I'm also highly grateful for it. It just connects everybody in the city. You can get to anywhere in New York, even if it might take way longer than you expected, you will get there. And <laughs> I've met several people in the subway. I've made several friends, actually. Yeah, of course, you know, there's a good amount of creeps, too. But 
as an overall, I would say 75% nice people, you know, that I've met in the subway. So um, I think it's like another uh, path of communication and the MTA it's taken by everyone, no matter how much money you make. So with all the different kinds of people that you've met this far, have you ever met someone that just like made you rethink of who you are in a way? I don't know. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you two. Wow, we got two. <laughs> so the first one is a very, very famous photographer, uh, Cobra Snake, Mark Hunter. I ended up meeting him many, many times in New York. We were at a lot of the same places and that made me very confident and oh wow, this could be a career. He also taught me a very, very, very important piece of advice, which is you always ask for forgiveness and not permission. This is a very important tool in a photographer's kit because a lot of times you might not know if you can take photos if you should take photos but and it's been true in my experience as well there have been some tricky situations but it was always better that i was asking for forgiveness than sitting in regret being like oh i wish i had taken that photo or if I, I wish i went there i wish i tried xyz but you need to sometimes think for yourself and what the story you're trying to tell and what you're trying to capture we all have like our own unique perspective and that's also why like when people get concerned about ideas being copied, it's like, can an idea really be copied? Only to a certain extent, because nobody can do something the way that you do it. So that's just another point of like, don't not feel motivated to try something because everybody else is doing it. And sometimes you're like, oh, there's so many photographers in New York. There's so many creators. How is there going to be space for one more with no experience, like a banker? But you're making your way through it because you just decided to. And that's really bold. That also gives me a different perspective because I come from this other world and a very important part of, of corporate life and honestly life in general is emotional intelligence. And what that means is basically how well do you understand how the other person across the room from you feels is so, so, so important in any social environment and your career and your relationships when you're taking photos in the studio at, or at a club. That is something that I feel very lucky to have worked on in that corporate setting where I can now apply it and try to be the most respectful, be the, the, the best self that I could be when I'm shooting out there. What I think it's interesting about being a photographer is that you're kind of like a fly on the wall. Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of things that people usually want, wouldn't be able to see because you're given permission to access people's intimacy without necessarily interacting with them. But you're there on the floor observing. And that's a lot of what like behind the scenes photography is about, for example, which is what I mostly do when I'm hired. I do behind the scenes, though my passion is landscape photography. What has surprised you maybe that you've seen from people? Because I think sometimes they put a facade. Here's what I'll say, especially when I first started photography. I, and it's been a little bit better now, but I can't even describe the hundreds of people that they would see the camera come up to me. Maybe I take their photo, maybe not. And they would say, oh my God, are you a photographer? I need you tomorrow. Or, oh my God, I have this huge like business opportunity. And always like be like the next day, which I, first I was like, oh, that's crazy. I'm like getting get at work tomorrow. And, you know, I'm not really one to talk business at like an event. So I just be like, oh yeah, great. Here's my email. Here's my number, whatever the case may be. And I was really hungry back then, you know, really hungry for work, anything, almost even if it was, it was pro bono. I just wanted to get more experience and more exposure. And nine out of 10 times that, opportunity just didn't exist for whatever case it might be. I never, ever found out the reason those failed. But what I did learn was to put up a little bit of a guard, right? Just to always be courteous, always be friendly and always offer yourself. But if they need you, if they truly, truly need you, they'll come for you. Even that is a very important uh, 
lesson learned. That's a really good point. Um, it's something that I'm also learning right now a little bit more in, in terms of personal relationships. But uh, with professional relationships, like with networking, you just never really know what's actually real. So that's also why when talking about work, I don't tell anybody I did a job until it's done. Because until it actually happens, I I don't know if it's going to happen, you know, especially as a freelancer, like you just don't know. So I don't talk about it. I'm really discreet, you know, with everything. I, I don't feel the need to brag, let's say. Of course, if I need to, you know, promote myself, which you need to when you're looking for work and you'd be like, oh, I did this, I did that. So you can like give yourself credibility. I have no problem telling people the projects I worked on. But usually I don't tell someone about an opportunity until after. You kind of have to protect yourself in that sense. And also, I think it's you start kind of like dissipating energy when you start talking about opportunities that never come to fruition or when it's too soon. And your energy should be on making that project happen and make it great rather than talking about it. But that's just like my personal way of going about it. So I totally feel you. And you're like meeting people in events and oftentimes people are drunk or they're overly excited. You don't really know with what version of them you're dealing with. And so when I try to make friends and in nightlife, it's really hard. <laughs> yes, it is. It is very hard. And if I could speak a little bit more about nightlife and making friends. So uh, a very important aspect about myself is I'm sober. Um, oh, fully, cool. I'm fully sober. I've been so basically since I moved to New York City. So a year and a half. How come, if I may ask? Yeah, so I mean, my whole life, I never really was one for, for drugs and alcohol. And it's funny, in college, like, I tried to drink a lot and failed horribly. Like, whatever the case may be, I just was, like, unable to. What is to fail drinking? <laughs> I mean, like, all my friends would, like, blackout or, or brown out. And I'd be there, like, trying to. And, and not like I, I had, like, I, I would not be able to get past, like, the fourth beer. My body would just be like, no, like, you don't need this. <laughs> That's, so, that's smart. That's good. That's, no, it's to good, me, that's it, winning. It's, it, <laughs> yeah, my body was like... Your body's it, like, stop, bro. This yeah. is bad. But I, of course, in like in a competitive sense, you know, you kind of want to like match their levels. So everyone be like, oh, what happened last night? And I'd be like, I can tell you guys in absolute vivid detail every single thing that happened last night. After some time, I realized, no, this is just what it's, it's meant to be. So I just took the onus. I took the, the kind of like the nudge. And I was like, okay, let's fully go into this sober... You're saving so much money. Right, of course. There's a lot of a lot of pros of sobriety. It's sad that the first pro I think of is you're saving money. It should be your health. Yes, your health is better. Good. But there's trade-offs. There's a lot of trade-offs. And those, like for example, going out every night, it's a, it takes a load on the body. Especially coming home at 4 or 5 a.m. sometimes. It's tough. And yeah, sure, I might wake up at noon because, you know, I'm not working 9 to 5. So, okay, I'm getting enough sleep. But your body isn't set up for that. I realized the sobriety was like a little uh, move that I can make to try to like, a, okay, I'm making the sacrifice with the nightlife, but okay, I'm kind of saving myself, but I'm not drinking health-wise. I say I learned that I'm much more creative than I ever thought I was. Well, that's so cute. I love that answer. Yeah, I really do. Go bankers. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's just, it's feeling very full circle because... When I was a kid, like a lot of things I did were very heavily creatively focused. Like I love Legos, right? And of course, you know, you get your Legos and there's the instructions, but like, screw that. You can build whatever you want, you know? So I would set up like massive uh, designs and then wars and battles or like whatever, you know, like a little uh, teenage kid would want to do uh, with Legos. Well, I would just remember thinking about that and I go, oh, like that was such a creative time. It was unlimited freedom, right? Massive basement floor. 
thousands of Legos go crazy. And so now out here with photography, it almost feels the same. Event, hundreds of people, camera, go crazy. Shoot whatever you want. Move people around. Pose people. Change the modes. Pick a different style. Edit them a different way. Share them in a, in, a, in a cool video. Like right now I'm tapping into this idea of, oh, like you can literally do this however you want. And people will start attributing like, oh, wow, I never thought that you could make the photos look this way or share them this way, you know? And I've gotten a lot of those reactions and those really inspire me. How has photography allowed you to see the world in a different way? Ooh, hard hitter after hard hitter. You're killing me. <laughs> That's how we go around here. Yeah. <laughs> You're, um, you're the one inspiring my questions, by the way. So this is all you. No, yeah, I think this, I think this is going great. Um, okay, wait, repeat the question. <laughs> <laughs> repeat the question. I asked, how has uh, working in photography made you see the world differently? Mm. I believe that's what I asked. Yes, yes, that is definitely. Okay, so I feel like the community that can exist in any city is really small. I go to all these events, I meet all these people, and sometimes and it, it gets to a point where it's like, oh, it's the exact same people, right? And you're kind of like, why have you taken photos of all these people? So then you start questioning, you know, like how much value you're providing, but that's wrong. And really, the right way to be thinking about it is every time you're out there on the field, on location, whatever it may have you, that's an opportunity. And you need to take it on yourself, not need, but at least I like to take it on myself too. What's a different story I can tell? Yeah, I've shot this exact same, you know, event. Obviously, no two things are the same, but it's feeling very similar. And I'm almost feeling like maybe I don't want to shoot it, right? I'm like, oh, I, already, I already did this, you know? And that's really when the other side of me comes knocking. It's like, okay, so what can you do different? What's a different story you can tell? Actually, at uh, 368, our, our studio, when they were putting up uh, Rich's uh, art installation, Paul asked me to come take photos just of the installation, um, and, you know, I got there, shot very basic, like 15 minutes of just like, some like semi-wide shots of people just drawing on the walls and painting. And I was like, hmm, I think I'm done. And then that other side of me came knocking and it was like, no, you're not. What can we do here? That's your intuition. Yeah. It was cool. like, how can we make this special? How can we tell this differently than maybe the, the average person would just capture it? I started shooting through objects. Um, this one girl, uh, Mason, was doing like a, a pencil uh, outline on the wall. And so I took a ladder and I put the ladder here and I shot through the A-frame and her kind of in the middle. And I really like, I really love that shot because the ladder just adding to the idea, the idea of there's a lot of work going on here. We're reaching high places. There's a lot of things on the floor and it's, it's messy. It's a messy environment. So it's almost the idea is like, oh, I don't even have room to shoot her clearly. I have to shoot through this ladder to try to get like this shot. But it, I think it just worked out perfectly. Such a little, little, little space to tell a story of going on here, but I never felt more empowered. And I think that's also something that we can apply to life too. You can always like change the narrative, look thing, at things from a different perspective, or even when you're trying to think of like, oh, when you're trying to understand what a friend is going through, I think that like instead of just seeing your own perspective, I think that's a way of like looking at the other side of the lens, for example. It's like I was only thinking about my feelings and how I feel in the situation. But then when you start trying to think what your friend is feeling in that situation, you're like, oh, 
that's a different lens. So I feel like that's kind of what you did there. And that's super cool. And the more you do it, the more ideas you're going to get. You just never know when they're going to happen. When they do, it's so exciting. It is very exciting. And, and that all ties back into that emotional intelligence and, uh, you know, trying out different things, understanding your environment. Um, and it, it, I have to say, you know, I'm still a baby. Uh, some people. You definitely are a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you're and, a well-versed, good learner. Thank you, thank you. And but it's it's really, and that's also what's been really exciting for me is knowing that I have this incredible long journey. I like to say the following in in terms of where I feel like I am in my photography career. Uh, if Mount Everest is the summit, I have bought my plane ticket and I am waiting at JFK. <laughs> oh my god! You know, we still have an entire flight to get to Nepal and then go to the base camp and then the second base camp. And then the summit. So that, for me, that analogy and, and waiting at JFK Airport has like always driven me to continue pushing myself, knowing that there's an incredibly long path here of bigger brands to work with and bigger artists and more crea- creative projects, you know. And it's also been a little bit of what I've been trying to do more recently with having the studio and pushing outside of event photography. It's still applying everything I learned from, event, from events and nightlife into these type of shoots from composition to lighting and even just to make how how can I make a person feel comfortable whether they've shot a thousand times or this is the first time ever shooting in in front of a camera and again I still am learning a lot about this but these are some of the things I'm starting to think about you're waiting at JFK I think that's such a smart metaphor how did you think of that was that you or so I thought the idea the idea of a peak right and like when do you get to your peak is it like your your physical health or or your career health, and it, you know, it's obviously a lot of different things, but there's a lot of peaks that can be in your life. But I love this idea of being at JFK Airport because I love how far away I am. How excited are you when you are about to go fly? You're nervous, you're scared, you're excited. Who you're gonna sit with, you don't know. Um, are you gonna make it? Are you gonna make it? <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty good, but, that, pretty but good that's chance, also another so thing, yeah. right? There's a, like a really good chance you'll make it. So I feel like also can apply that to the analogy. Like, yeah, that flight will take off and land. You know, there's a really good chance of that. It's just the onus is on you to to board it. You have such a healthy mindset with all of this because you're actually thinking just about the journey. You're like, I just want to be a part of this. I just want to keep learning. Most people just want to make it to the top. They're just like, oh, why am I not there there already? Well, I asked like, what, what, what does that look like? And this really comes down to something I'm horrible at, which is goal defining, right? And it's it's trying to figure out like, well, is it a certain artist or a certain event that you want to shoot? And it's like, yes, of course, I want to shoot all these artists and all these events. But then really, and something I've been learning recently, especially through a lot of the 368 creators is, okay, we'll pick one and chase it and, and figure out who the people are that can help you get to that level, you know? The plan can constantly change and it will. Like whenever I've made a plan, uh, a year later, I was like, okay, that, that did not go the way that I expected because while I was chasing something, I gained new information that took me somewhere else. Mm. So it didn't take me to my initial goal necessarily. Sometimes it did. But for the most part, it just gave me information that I needed to make a better decision for myself. So especially in a place like New York, it's so serendipitous. Like you can't really plan things that much. So it's more like like about enjoying the path and the journey and doing what you're doing, I think, which is just following your intuition. You're a very intuitive person. And that's like really smart because most people like struggle with doing that. Like I've struggled doing that a lot. And so it's super cool to see that you're like building a whole career for yourself within such a short amount of time um, just by doing what feels good. I mean, what the heck? 
That's crazy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you're like really rare. You're really hard to find. And you're sober. Like, dude, you're just so overachieving. <laughs> no. I mean, you say that, but then I'm, I'm sometimes I'm sitting here and again, this comes back to like having that, that self-confidence and the trust is like, I'm like, oh, damn, like what might happen sometimes is I'll see someone shoot something that I've always wanted to shoot. Right. And I'm like, damn, I should have been there. And then that might like, that's like little hits right along the way. But really, um, it just wasn't my time yet. That's yeah. the other way to think about it. That's the way that I think of it too. Like if someone like gets an opportunity that I wanted, I'm like, you know what? This was supposed to be their opportunity. This is their moment. And that's a really healthy outtake because whatever is meant for you will be there. And if you're doing all the work, if you're doing the things that you have to do, things will come. And so now that you're working full-time in photography, would you ever go back? Every time I get close to being like, okay, it's time to like reapply for like a data scientist job or something big opportunity unfolds shooting all of new york fashion week julia fox diplo in the back of this club so many different events where each one of these very 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 um niche but important moments for me were like oh no there's something here stick with it and every single time that's happened it's only like further solidified my resolve i think this was like a lesson on Hey, like get started, you know, if there's something that you want to do, something you're interested in, it doesn't matter if you have no experience, follow that curiosity, which is something Rick Rubin says a lot in his new book, The Creative Way of Being, mm, which yeah. I've been reading and it's so good. Life. Can I borrow it when you're done? Yes, you can. It's so good. You're going to have to read it quickly though, because that's like my new Bible. Oh, okay. In my version, it was printed upside down, which I think is a sign from the universe. Oh yeah. You, I remember you saying yeah, this. Yeah. I that's posted crazy. it on Instagram. Instagram, I was like, why Why is it printed upside down? You can like sell that for a lot of money one day. I probably could. But the thing is, I'm making some notes on the book, but I'm like, whatever. Like, it's still unique. But like, that book is so amazing. And it talks about how anybody can be a creator. You following your intuition, creating this whole career path for yourself is a representation of you can really do anything. Just like start today decide today you know what i've always wanted to try photography i'm going to give it a go and then it can become a whole career or maybe you will learn something about photography along the way maybe it's modeling or maybe it's about working in a talent agency and you're like oh man like i think i want to do that so it's not necessarily that initial idea like it could be like it happened with you but i think the lesson here is dive into your curiosity don't limit yourself in any way to what rick uh, i've heard i've heard um people share he just feels so connected to you know his emotions and how he feels inside that when he's in that situation of uh okay we need to create he will tap into that and see you know using everything around him to figure out what sound or or what thing to create would like really really change be something different you know it's funny because so the interview was like oh what do people pay you for and that's basically his answer he was like how well i know myself Wow. I, I really love those words. And I think that I'm still very young and I still have a long way to go into um, that world. But it's uh, it's been an incredible journey. And I'm and like I said, I'm, I'm waiting for my flight. And where can people find you? Uh, so my uh, on socials, I'm at Schindelverse, S-H-I-N-D-E-L-V-E-R-S-E. Um, Instagram, YouTube, website as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Quack. Quack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was supposed to do. <laughs>